You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. The magic underwear is not working, and that's not our fault. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We're like a 1-800 number almost. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. I am Dave Barry, and we are back after another or after a week of not being on. We are back with another edition of the podcast here with Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. We're going to break down the college football playoff. Uh, Alabama made it in, and Ohio State did not. Mike, uh, was that fair? Yeah, that's the right decision. I don't know what Gorney thinks. Gorney, of course, uh, you know, feels Penn State got screwed last year, as as they did, and this year, Ohio State and some aspects is getting screwed so people say but i think it's the right decision based on the resume when you look at uh you know opponents in the top 25 when you look at uh opponents that alabama defeated that are in bowl games when you look at the fact they got one loss and it's to an auburn team so let's take the two losses to oklahoma and auburn and wipe those out they're both top 10 losses both of them were fairly lopsided games Ohio State lost to Iowa, and they lost to Iowa by 31 points. So I don't think there's any way you can justify, even as conference champs, that they belong in here. That's not what the playoffs about. It's not about conference champions. It's about the best four teams. So I think Alabama got in, and they, I think they deserve to. Yeah, I can't completely hate the uh, the Alabama pick. Um, there, There is a part of me still, though, that says a conference champion, a Big Ten conference champion, one that especially comes from – what everyone basically agrees is the best division in all of football to not get in is really tough to swallow. But, you know, Alabama, um, you know, lost their loss. You know, if you're going to fight for Ohio state here, their loss came by double digits to the team that got blown out in the sec championship game. So their resume, if people want to argue that really isn't that great. They won on the last second play at Mississippi state. Uh, they looked average in other games. They didn't blow out a Florida State team in the season opener, and we all know Florida State's a terrible team this year. So I don't think their resume all you know really speaks for itself. But you know if you, if you look at watch, if you watch college football every weekend like we do, we kind of know Alabama's one of the top four teams in the country. Um, I, I wouldn't say Ohio State got screwed here, but it's tough to swallow a Big Ten champion two years in a row not making it to the to the final four well here's the other thing too i think alabama would be favored over ohio state in a neutral field uh, i think um the, the vegas odds makers would believe that they're the better team and there's just no getting around that iowa loss there just yeah. isn't um you know had clemson lost to miami there'd be no getting around the syracuse loss it's just a horrible loss iowa is seven and five i think they're playing in the pinstripe bowl against boston college um, they're just not a good football team. So to lose by 31 points, um, you know, the Oklahoma loss, hey, that's a, that's, a, that's a good loss, so to speak. I mean, it was a blowout, but that's a really good team. Um, I'm not saying Alabama is the beginning and end of the world when it comes to the most talented football teams. We're going to see Clemson and Alabama again for the third time in a row. I think the committee wanted to go against having two SEC teams. I think they wanted to go against having yet another playoff matchup between Clemson and Alabama, but I don't think they could get past that Iowa loss. That's the one that killed them. And, you know, again, it comes down to Urban Meyer uh, losing another game that he shouldn't have lost. A few years ago, it was Michigan State in the rain when they didn't run Zeke Elliott, and then this horrible Iowa loss comes back to, to bite him. 
They got in last year. They probably didn't deserve it. They got blown out. They had their chance, uh, and I don't think they deserve two. And I think a lot of people in, on the committee were, was watching that Big Ten game last night. And I'll tell you what, Wisconsin <laughs> could be a really, really good team if they had a quarterback who could at least throw the ball down the field. There were receivers open. He missed Fumagalli a bunch. And so I don't think anybody was blown away by Ohio State keeping it close with Wisconsin last night. Um, and so I wonder, though, if Wisconsin or if Ohio State won that game 41-0, 41-10, blew them out. If things would have changed, something tells me probably not even still. I don't think Ohio State had a chance going into that game. Um, and, yeah, that, that Iowa loss absolutely killed them. I want, you know, looking back as a, on, a, on an autopsy of this season for Ohio State, if they would have won at home against Oklahoma and their only loss would have been Iowa, I still don't know if they would have gotten in because Alabama's one loss would have been better. That would have been in the argument then. So the yeah, Iowa Cle- loss. Clemson got in, though, and they had a horrible loss. So, I mean, I think one loss – they would have got in a victory over Oklahoma, and I also think if they beat them fifty-nine to nothing like they did a few years ago, I think they would have been in. I, I think they beat a Wisconsin team that uh, very few people believed in because of their schedule. They they didn't beat them handily, um, and I think that really did affect things. I think if Ohio State beats Wisconsin fifty-nine to nothing, I think they're in. Um, you know, I think that was a big part of it as well. So I, I don't think the committee had Alabama penciled in. You know, before they even, you know, snapped the football uh, in Indianapolis. But they didn't do what they needed to do this year to get into the playoffs. So such is life. And that's a talented enough team where they have no excuse with Iowa and, and having that loss. No excuse whatsoever. I, I, I just hate, and I know I've said this three times already now, to, to have a team in that didn't even win their division, that the, the team from their conference – was not the team from their conference wasn't even from their division so they're finishing basically third place at best in the SEC and to get in over a conference champion and this is a legit conference uh, we're not talking about a two loss Pac-12 team this year or a Big 12 team we're talking the Big 10 that's a loaded conference to, to take them that's just that's tough to swallow too but, how, but I don't really hate feel, the pick how would you feel if they took Ohio State this year and didn't take Penn State last year Oh, I'd be on here complaining till no end, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's the it's the exact same scenario really. Um, you have a two a two loss team. One one of those losses was a blowout, um, and uh, you're you're not taking them. So uh, it just happens to be the same conference, which uh, I don't necessarily like because to not have um, you know a Big Ten team in the Final Four when a lot of people think it's the best conference in the country this year and. It, it, it probably is. Uh, that's tough. That's tough to swallow. Well, th- this is why it's stupid to have a, a Final Four, though, because again, you can't have five Power Five conferences. <laughs> right, and four that's, teams. Yeah, that's redundant and four slots. Right, because you're going to leave somebody out every year, and it's just like it, all the people who say they don't want to expand the playoff and it would ruin the the you know the regular season games, wouldn't make them as important, and all that stuff. They're idiots and they're morons. You have to have more. Bit spots than you do power conferences, and you've yes. got five and four, so every year you're gonna leave somebody out. So it's it just <clears throat> it annoys me so much. I hear guys like Greg McElroy who are so against, you know, uh, expanding the playoff, and it just drives me absolutely crazy. Um, so I think this will be a good um, 
I think this will help move the needle towards expanding the playoff for sure because now you've left out the Pac-12 and you've left out the Big Ten. You've got two from the same conference. Everybody thinks the SEC gets favoritism anyways. Um, I think this will push us towards an 18 playoff, which is much better than four. And, and honestly, 16 is better than eight. And I'm not talking let's go to NCAA style and go to 64 or 65 or whatever. But I think the, the, the bigger your playoff, and 16 is probably the maximum, the better it is for college football. So let's get this to eight. And then we don't have this problem. We don't have this discussion. No, not at all. And eight it means one more week of games. That's it. That would be it. You'd have one more game to play. It's not like you're going to be playing three or four more weeks. This, the, 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 the regular season games would still work out just fine. We're talking one more week. Uh, you know, they played yesterday, and then Clemson and those three other teams won't be playing for a month. You know, yeah. if you give them a three-week break instead of a four-week break, I think everybody would be just fine. Well, I remember we used to play 11 regular season games. Right. You know, I uh, remember there was a long time ago there were no conference championship games. You know, so it's not like you couldn't go back to 11 if you wanted to. Um, you can certainly go back to an 11 and add another playoff weekend if you wanted to do that, if you're so worried about it. If you ever want to get to 16, you could just cut down the games to 11. I know nobody's going to want to do that because it's revenue. Uh, but, you know, there are ways around it. Uh, I think they'll keep the 12-game schedule. Obviously, that's not going to change, and they'll get to eight. It won't be next year, but it will be on the table probably this upcoming year. Um, it'll be discussed and probably put into effect, I think, within two, three years. So let's get to the Gus bus. Um, you know, obviously, Georgia dominated Auburn. Clemson dominated Miami. We already talked a little bit about the Ohio State victory uh oklahoma dominated tcu none of these things other than georgia was a surprise georgia was a bit of a surprise but gus gets that auburn extension seven years so he can't be on the hot seat next year as, as much as people are going to want to put him on there yeah uh, maybe auburn has learned their lesson <laughs> maybe they've uh, finally realized when they have a coach that either takes you to the national championship or is within one game of going to play for a national championship or two games, if you count the SEC championship going to the Final Four, uh, maybe you shouldn't fire him and maybe you shouldn't make him feel like he's not wanted. Uh, you know, Gus Malzahn coming out and saying that he wants to be somewhere where he feels loved. I mean, for God's sakes, this is a guy who's making multi-millions of dollars to coach a football team. I think he's pretty loved. Uh, if he doesn't feel that, then fine. Um, if the, the expectation at Auburn is to win national championships, I think that might be a little bit unrealistic. Um, uh, so he, not going to Arkansas means he, he has that in his, in his sights because Arkansas is far, far away from that. And if he went there, he would, he would lose. I don't care how good of a coach you are. It's a very, very difficult position to be in, especially in the SEC West, which is getting better, not worse. Um, Alabama, obviously Auburn, obviously Texas A&M, um, you know, Ole Miss is going to be a dumpster fire for, at least a little while, and we'll see what Mississippi State does. I actually have hope in Joe Moorhead uh, that he can do well there. So um, going to Arkansas, he saw that that was a no-win situation. Auburn might also be a no-win situation. If you don't win at all, you could be gone, and they'll pony up the money to get rid of him. But he won't be on the hot seat next year, probably not the year after that. But I guarantee you, if people start thinking he's not throwing the ball enough or he's losing games late or he's disappointed, you know, they're not getting the quarterbacks that they want, like that, like have been the criticisms the last couple of years, he'll be right back on that hot seat. I guarantee it. Yeah, and I think the over-under on years is two, whether he's back on the hot seat or not. They're, they're the, 
the numbers aren't clear as far as what he got in the seven years, but it, there is a raise, of course. Uh, the buyout was a big point of contention. That buyout has been raised as well. So I don't know to what number, but, but let's put it this way. He's got a lot more guaranteed money than he had before. And, you know, if you look at before, uh, if I could find it, Auburn, the buyout was $7 million. So let's assume, you know, with a seven-year deal now, he's going to be well into the double digits for the buyout. That'll reduce every year, and I think in two years he'll be back on the hot seat because you just can't sustain in the SEC West dominance unless you're Nick Saban. Um, so, but you know what? You want an SEC West title? That's what you get fired for not doing. That's what Les Miles got fired for. That's what Kevin Sumlin got fired for. Fired for. That's what Brett Bielema got fired for. Hugh Freeze got fired for a completely different reason. Um, but that's what you have to do. So he's coming off a very good year. And I get it. I mean, listen, the expectations at Auburn are horrible. You have to beat Alabama, and you have to win the Iron Bowl. Um, so you have to win the division and the Iron Bowl every year. And that's it. There's nothing less than that that's acceptable. And if you don't do it, you know, it's almost like coaching at, at Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is under pressure because he can't beat Ohio State. Uh, until he does, he's going to hear it. And Gus, you know, beat Alabama this year, but it's what have you done for me lately. So next year, if he doesn't, uh, there's going to be whispers. But I think the over-under for, for years is two years before he's on the hot seat again. And I would take the under, honestly. Yeah, I would too. Um, I haven't really read the Auburn message board after the SEC championship game, but I'm sure a lot of it is he can't win the big game, you know. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how how much uh, how much love he gets there. But I do respect that he made a quick decision. He wasn't John Gruden played it out for weeks. He wasn't seen at a at a restaurant in Fayetteville. You know, the day after he was doing in home visits with Auburn recruits, he signed an extension the day after. He could go to the Waffle house or shop or whatever it's called that awful restaurant it's so average i i don't know why people even like that place um, they like it in the south <laughs> it's so funny too because i'm so old i can remember gus being a high school coach and, and being the coach of Mitch mustaine and yeah the tremendous personality he had then because i was i was going down specifically we were um we were i was working doing stuff at espn at the time and we were trying to get uh mustaine to come on ESPN and, and make an announcement and all this stuff. So I flew down uh, to see him and met with him and man, he couldn't have been less friendly. <laughs> and Gus Malzahn? Yeah, that, that was as a high school coach. So yeah. I mean, you can imagine he's not the most thrilling guy in the world, but to his credit, uh, he didn't drag it out. Unlike the Tennessee debacle, we'll skip down one here and we'll go back to Jimbo in a second, but the Tennessee debacle continues. Now there's talk Philip Fulmer wanted the AD job and did everything he could to sabotage um, Curry. I don't think he needed to sabotage him. I think Curry screwed this up so badly from the start, from, from not firing Butch Jones after the South Carolina game to the Greg Schiano situation. I think this was screwed up and he didn't need any help. But what an embarrassment and i think it's going to take years and years for them to recover from this whoever they get as their head coach i don't even know who the latest target is do we even know i mean the last i heard was dave doran and that didn't work out yeah well yeah, and it could change by the time we put this podcast out well, <laughs> just like last week <laughs> well yeah i mean because someone will be hired at tennessee the second we're done with the podcast yeah and we'll have to kick this thing but 
I don't know. Who, who's the target, Corny? I mean, have you heard anything? I don't know. The last I heard was that uh, John Curry was told not to interview Mike Leach, that it would be a waste of time. He interviewed him anyway. Which I agree. He shouldn't have. Yeah. It's a waste and, of time. And then uh, he was told to come back to campus, and he kind of took his sweet time in L.A. and didn't get back there, and he was fired. And, you know, this reminds me a little bit, and I could be completely wrong here, of Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. Philip Fulmer, former coach, wants to kind of control the athletic department, (laughs) wants to make the hire, wants to be kind of the big wig, uh, kind of orchestrating things. And Barry Alvarez has had a lot of control with the – playoff committee and all those kinds of things now he could be phil fulmer could be coming back because john curry was inept in his job he obviously had no idea what what he was doing in the coaching search he fired his coach at a, at a very odd time he was uh, chasing a guy that probably never had a serious interest in the job he was interviewing people he made a decision to not hire someone because a mob on the internet told him not to uh, it was just terrible, terrible ha- handling of the job. So Philip Fulmer could be coming in here and, and kind of responsibly handling this coaching search. I don't know. I haven't heard any names in the last 24, 48 Maybe he's hours. Name, name himself. That'd be hilarious. And that would be. That he would was be fired too soon. I mean, I was trying to think about it, and I'm trying to think of this for, for an article, so don't steal my amazing idea here. But, you know, guys <laughs> that shouldn't have been fired, you know, at least it, at least over the last 15 years or 20 years that I've been covering college football and college football recruiting and Philip Fulmer is obviously you know right near the top of that list of a guy that just should not have been fired um you know Ralph Regan also comes to mind there was another one that I had too that I can't remember currently you um, could argue Les Miles should be on that list that, that was the guy that was that was the guy yeah Les Miles because he had a tremendous you know uh, track record and career and you know, obviously the offense kind of undid him, and, and maybe Les Miles will be the coach at Tennessee. I mean, he's he's out there waiting for a job. Um, you know, he'd, he'd love to take the job, I, I, I would imagine, but um, I, I just don't know where they're going to go from here. But I do know wherever they go, it's going to be disastrous because you can't go through a search like this. You can't go through becoming a laughingstock of college football and going to your 11th or 12th choice uh, and and really land on your feet too quickly especially with Dan Mullen taking the Florida job he's a good coach we know Florida is bound to be back and and back is relevant is a relative because they won two division titles before this season and then we'll get to uh, Kirby being the future of the SEC or not um, in a few minutes but Tennessee you know again South Carolina is on the rise a little bit it's not like a murderer's row division but Uh, there are a couple teams at least entrenched ahead of Tennessee, and if they couldn't get it done when it was as weak as it was, because remember, Missouri won this division twice, I believe. Yeah, yeah, um, first two years they were in it. Then how can we think that they're going to, to win it at all? But let's move on to Jimbo and how he held them hostage and how he overplayed his hand and how Jimbo kind of threatened to go to Aggie land, and I think they told him to go. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I think happened. He he wanted some improvements. He publicly railed about the facilities and all this other stuff. You know, all these excuses as to why they weren't good this year. And um, you know, instead of saying, "All right, I'm going to fire a couple of my buddies," um, he said, "I'm going to go to A&M." But he's the winner. 
I mean, he really held them hostage. Their recruiting is a disaster right now. They may or may not get Willie Taggart. I've heard that they're not going to, which means they will get him because I'm always wrong on this stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, they could get Fuente, who's a very good coach from Virginia Tech. They'll get a good coach. That's one of the top ten jobs in the country. But Jimbo really did everything he could. From what I heard, he stopped recruiting for the last month. Uh, obviously, based on the way they played this year, he didn't really care that much about game preparation if you watch some of their losses. Uh, but he got $75 million, and he's taking over what I think is the sleeping giant in the SEC West. I mean, this Texas A&M program has never really won anything, but they could. They've got the facilities. They've got the fan support. They've got the athletic department support. They've got the recruiting geography. If Jimbo cares, if he's not cashing it in and just looking for this as his last contract, and he's not an old guy, but I don't know how much he loves coaching football anymore. Um, if he's ready and really determined, A&M could be the team to watch in the future of the SEC West and not Auburn or Alabama. That's that's really how I feel. I don't disagree with that, but you know they could be the sleeping giant in the SEC West, but there's giants in the SEC West. I mean, yep. The, uh, this is going to be, they want Jimbo, <clears throat> they're paying him $7.5 million a year, $75 million over 10 years. They want him to win tomorrow, not not in three years from now. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is a team built to go into Auburn and win all the time, to go to LSU and win all the time, to go to Alabama and win. I mean, this is kind of a middle of the SEC West team, and uh, I don't care who your coach is. Uh, that's going to take a while to, to rebuild into that fashion, especially because he's going to have to recruit his butt off to get yep. players to go there. Kids are going to still want to go to Texas. Florida State still dips LSU, into Texas. LSU, LSU yeah. Alabama goes in there. But he's a good uh, recruiter. He's a he good is. recruiter when he wants to be. I mean, I, he obviously screwed Florida State and just stopped caring about recruiting there at the end, and this whole year was a big, you know, uh, screw you to Florida State, but He's a really good recruiter, and you're talking about Texas and Louisiana, uh, plus his ties to Florida. The recruiting geography is there for him to be successful. It's a crowded market, but it's no more crowded than the state of Florida, I will tell you that much. Um, it's much less crowded, actually. You can go ahead and beat you know, Oklahoma and Texas for a Texas kid if you're A&M. You can beat LSU for a Louisiana kid if you're A&M, I believe. What I think is what I think is more crowded though, Mike, and we might be overlooking this, and and I don't know even if Jimbo has a good grasp on this. Is you have to beat Clemson in the ACC. You have to go to Virginia Tech here and there and win a game against a tough team. Miami is coming up, but that's not what the SEC is. I mean, the ACC is not even close. There are no, there aren't a lot of Wake Forests and Dukes and North Carolinas and Virginias and Boston colleges in the SEC. I mean, even when you go to some of those bad schools. It's still a tough game, and it's just going to be really, really tough for him. And I do think Texas A&M could be a team that emerges as, you know, in two or three years as a top five, ten team regularly. But we're talking national championships here. I, I just don't see it right now. So, somebody's going to wake it up. Somebody is eventually going to wake that giant up. I don't know if it's Jimbo or not. You know, like I said, there were a lot of issues at Florida State, a lot of personal issues that that apparently, you know, led to this decision as well. I don't know how much he loves coaching anymore um you know it's unfair of me to question that because i don't know him and i don't really know i, I just know what i saw body language wise from the entire staff in certain games this year where 
they were getting blown out by crappy teams and nobody seemed to care and the players certainly didn't care but somebody's going to wake up the Aggies um, and if it's not Jimbo then I don't know who it's going to be but eventually I think you're talking about a team that could make the playoff uh, if some if they get the right coach in there and he gets the right staff in there, so I just they, love that he threw his Christmas tree on his front yard. That was the key. Well, he key did that on purpose. I mean, everything he's done is on purpose. Everything he's done, yeah, including to waiting. I think he was really ready to go out there and coach that last game, and and absolutely, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if if they gave a lackluster effort. They couldn't lose, but if they gave a lackluster effort, and then he was just going to say, "Okay, I'm out. I'm done." Uh, but they finally said to him, listen, you know, we're not going to let you coach the last game. We know you're gone. Come out and say it out loud. And he did it the day before the game. Um, he did everything he could to really screw Florida State. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, the Christmas tree was part of it. Um, not a great look for him, but doesn't matter when you got $75 million and you got, you know, so much of it guaranteed that he doesn't need another job ever for the rest of his life. Let's say this doesn't work out. Let's say he lasts five years there and ends up, ends up getting fired and yeah. you know gets his buyout and, and collects all the money that, that he's owed. He's going to be uh, you know a multi-multi-multi-millionaire guy who doesn't need to do anything. So I'd, it wouldn't be the way I would handle it. I, I, I was upset more about the fact that his players learned on social media um, you know, it, it was very Randy Edsel-like, and you, you can't compare the two because Florida State's a real program and UConn is UConn. But c- living in Connecticut, I know what Randy Edsel did to his team. They had just gone to the Fiesta Bowl, and he flew right to Maryland and didn't tell his team, and they found out when they landed via social media. It's not the way you do things. The way you do things is is the way Scott Frost does things, so we'll move and segue there. You like that? Segue? Very good pretty, segue. That was very you. smooth. The way you do it is the way Scott Frost did it. He's beloved by the UCF community. He's beloved by his players. He's beloved by the administration. They're wishing him well. And he's beloved by Nebraska because he's a former player there. And he is their hope and shining light. And that's hard to do. It's hard to leave one program for another and have everybody still love you. I guess it helps when you're 12-0 and you finish the season uh, sending them off to a New Year's Six Bowl. But uh, Scott Frost appears to be the anti-Jimbo, a very classy individual. He had tears in his eyes. Everybody got on Todd, Todd McShay for asking that question, and I, I almost just threw my my phone through a window when people were saying, "What? How? What a jerk! Why would you ask that question?" <laughs> I'm like, it's his job. You know, many yeah. times we've had to ask stupid questions that we know we're not going to get an answer for, uh, but we have to ask the question. You know, um, I've asked a billion recruits, so. You know, I, I hear you're looking around, and I know they're looking around. I know they've taken secret visits. I know nope. they're going to decommit the next day. Yeah, uh, I've gotten grief from you know from head coaches at colleges for asking questions about decommitments when I know the kid is already done and he's moving on to a different school before yeah. the school even knows. And I have to ask the question, and everybody says, "What a classless jerk you are! Let the kid have it, have his moment, all that stuff." No, you have to ask the question. And Frost handled it properly. He celebrated with his team. He broke the news to them in person. He did everything right in Orlando. Jimbo did everything wrong in Tallahassee. And it kind of makes you want to root for Frost to be successful at Nebraska because as much grief as they give us, the fan base at Nebraska is a very, very good fan base. 
uh, arguably the best in the country. They deserve a winner eventually. Uh, now, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're going to win a national title with Frost. But I think they can win the West, and I think they can compete for Big Ten championships because the West is not that good. Um, and I and I hope he is able to bring that success to Nebraska without without being biased at all. I have no uh, dog in this hunt, but man, he just seems like a very classy guy. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like you're almost shocked when a coach comes out and is real classy and handles it well and. You know, people aren't the starting quarterback of the team who's injured doesn't come on social media and says, no text, no call. What the hell's going on? You know, it's like uh, he handled it appropriately, just like any, you know, upright citizen would do. <laughs> he told his team, he, I'm sure he was in communication with his administration. And UCF isn't going to keep a guy from going back home, not only that, but to a Big Ten team with a lot of history and tradition there. So they handled it, you know, really well. Credit UCF side for doing that and saying thank you, good luck to you, and we're moving on. And credit Nebraska, too, because that AD could have come in and really, you know, swung it around a little bit, and uh, he didn't. He, he handled it well. He let UCF have their undefeated regular season, and then he said, okay, we're coming in and taking your guy, and everyone knows it. And, uh, yes, I'm going to cheer for Scott Frost in the West until they p- play Penn State in the Big Ten Championship game in a couple years, and then we'll see how it goes. But Well, and Scott Frost could go off to Nebraska and become a narcissistic jerk. I mean, oh, of we've course. I've seen that before. I mean, I, I, I've known guys who have been – uh, assistants. I've known graduate assistants who moved their way up to assistant coach, who moved their way up to coordinator, who did uh, interim stints in the NFL, who ended up going on to become head coaches at major power programs, who turned into complete jerks. Just complete jerks. Oh, yeah. The move is always they need you until they don't need you. So Right. And, and you know what? Listen, I don't care. I couldn't care less. I mean, we all know how amazingly successful I am and what a big name I am, so I don't really need anybody. But... <laughs> Um, you know, but I've seen it happen before. I hope it doesn't happen to him. And, um, you know, it was kind of funny because it was announced on the ESPN telecast. And Steve yeah, Levy dur- is a guy. During second overtime, I saw it. And, and Steve on. Levy is a guy that I, I got to know very, very, very briefly. He was very nice to me when I was at ESPN 100 years ago. Uh, I like him a lot because um, he was nice to me. And anybody who's nice to me, I like. Uh, but when he said our, our very own Brett McMurphy is reporting... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just laughed out loud, and then I laughed that the fact that McMurphy had to put that tweet out, you know, with time left in the second overtime. I mean, yeah, the, the timing of all of that stuff was just funny. Uh, I'm not yelling and screaming about it like people are screaming about McShay asking the question, and I'm not yelling and screaming about it and saying McMurphy could have waited until the final gun. Uh, I just thought it was comical that ESPN doesn't even know who works for them anymore <laughs> uh, because they're just getting rid of everybody. Uh, right. And, but, and then their former employee is the one breaking the news and they're scrolling it on the bottom of their pages. Yeah, they didn't say ESPN's Brett McMurphy, did they? No, I don't think so. I think they on just the said, they yeah, just according said, to Brett McMurphy. Yeah, okay. But Steve Levy did actually say our own, which was kind of funny. But anyway, <laughs> stupid things like that crack me up and yeah. I'm sure it's of no interest to anybody listening to this thing so let's get to Kirby is Kirby the future of the SEC I think he is and I remember last year I was doing my first year coaching grades which I'm going to do this week uh, just grading the the jobs that the first year coaches have done last year I think I gave Kirby a B plus and I think they went what seven and five, five. this, this yeah. was a regular season after the regular season before bowl game 
and everybody went nuts. Everybody, especially, you know, Florida fans and Tennessee fans and everybody went, and it's so funny because the two fan bases that freaked out the most just fired their coaches. But <laughs> anyhow, um, you know, I didn't like some of the in-game adjustments he made last year, uh, but I liked what he worked with when it came to having a true freshman quarterback last year, having an offensive line that was absolutely horrible, how the team never seemed to give up, how they started to swarm to the football a little bit and work as a unit on defense. Now, I didn't know that, you know, guys would come back like like Lorenzo Carter, um, and I didn't know that they would gel as a football team the way they did this year, but I'm bragging on that B-plus because I think – I think he's a good coach. Do I think he's the next Nick Saban? No. But do I think he's going to be the guy um, that, you know, takes over the East? And even with Dan Mullen coming in, yes. I think Georgia is going to be the SEC East uh, future for quite some time. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm excited once again for that Florida-Georgia matchup every year because I think Dan Mullen's a phenomenal coach. I think he'll be able to recruit really well there. Um, not like Kirby isn't recruiting well. He's recruiting better probably than anybody in the country. Yeah, he, he won't be able to recruit the way Kirby's recruiting. I, I'm sorry. There's nobody in the country short of, you know, and again, Alabama's down a little bit this year. So, you know, um, recruiting-wise, but they'll still finish in the top five. Nobody short of these these three teams, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Nobody yeah. short of them is recruiting better than Georgia and Kirby Smart. No, you're right. You're right. And Dan Mullen is going to have an uphill battle for to 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 to, to, de- to deal with that. Sorry for that stutter there. That was awesome. Um, but uh, I think he's going to be able to recruit the state well. Um, I think it's going to be at, at least again it's going to be an interesting matchup for, because for some years it's been a little stale and no one's really cared all that much. Uh, when Muschamp and McIlwain were at Florida, um, and Richt was kind of on his last legs at Georgia. Uh, it, it just kind of became stale. Again, two young coaches are going to be there. One is a defensive mind in Kirby. Uh, one is an offensive guy in Dan Mullen. I think it's going to be exciting and interesting again. Is he the future of the conference? I don't know. Nick Saban's 65, 66 years old. He's, he's, how, how, how much longer does he have doing this? Maybe three or four years, I and would then, imagine. And then Dabo takes over, and then Dabo's the future of the year. And then Dabo's the future of the conference. So you're the future of the conference until you lose uh and it and it does go in cycles in the SEC but I do like Kirby I think one of the things that's been overlooked and how he's handled it really well actually is moving on from Jacob Eason to Jake Fromm and not having a mutiny on his hands um you know he's recruiting incredibly well again at running back I think they're going to be even better uh in the backfield for years to come he's going all over the place for big offensive linemen uh the defense is playing phenomenally well I thought he was terrific on the sidelines yesterday uh you know he just had schemed auburn so much uh and auburn's offense could do nothing against that defense all game long i thought he and mel tucker were terrific on the sidelines figuring things out calling the plays getting them in and then the defense going in because they got slobber knockered a few weeks ago at auburn there could have been some issues there and instead of you know putting their tail between their legs and and hoping that they'd play well they came in hungry and shut Auburn's offense down, and it was impressive to see. And in Auburn's defense, and I want Dave Barry to chime in here because I want to hear how loud his background noise is as well because <laughs> it's really awesome. Dave, Dave, unmute yourself. You, can you hear it now? There we go. It's, not that, it's not that bad, actually. It, it's, at one point, it sounded like you were 
talking outside of a window of an 80 mile an hour car. Yeah, while you were driving. Yeah, but uh, it's not that bad. But um, you know, let's let's also give Auburn a little bit of a break here. I mean, Carryon Johnson was injured, and he was definitely not himself. And you know, yeah, I don't think no he doubt. fumbles if he wasn't hurt. I think he has a much better game. I think their entire offense, you know, kind of rolls the way it did in that first drive and. I think you got a much closer game if Carryon Johnson is uh, is healthy. But you know, hey, it's football. That's life. Everybody's got injuries, and everybody has to play. Uh, Stidham couldn't handle that inside blitz. No. Uh, so it's just a weakness that they found on tape. They did a lot of homework on it. They couldn't figure it out before the first game, but they certainly figured it out in the second game. You blitz that guy up the middle. Then all of a sudden he looks like Jared Stidham against Clemson. He doesn't know what to do, and when he gets out of rhythm. He has no chance, and that's really scary if I'm an NFL uh, scout, uh, you know, because Jared Stidham, in rhythm, looks like a future pro bowler. Out of yeah. rhythm, he looks absolutely horrible, and we saw the horrible version, um, you know, after that first drive, we, we saw it, and there was just no way he was going to get back on track. I was just watching it, and I'm like, it's just not going to happen. One criticism of Kirby, there's 10 seconds left in the game, and he's yelling at some poor sap graduate assistant probably about something stupid so come on get get a little control and and live in the moment there i mean he didn't want his second uh he didn't want a penalty he didn't want a second sideline warning they didn't get the first one kirby looks like a 12 year old kid though with that he does and and that visor he's got to change the haircut like maybe just you know get a buzz cut or something and try to look tough or yeah that floppy hair it's not it's not working no or wear a full hat instead of a visor so you don't look like some you know Horrible, I've never understood. Golfer. I've never understood the visor indoors. I just don't. I don't get why <laughs> why you do that. Well, you gotta wear something on your head. I mean, especially if you got a mop of hair like that. But wear a hat. You know? Joe Paterno was on the sidelines for sixty-eight oh, years. He didn't uh, wear a hat one day, even when it was pouring snow in he had that, the middle of October those, in State College. Curly Italian locks of his that he wanted to show <laughs> off to the world. Who wouldn't want to? And he also wore, you know, shades. <laughs> as well so i mean he was just a weirdo i mean i know the prescription shades and all that but still <laughs> he was not the greatest example i think it's a an homage to steve spurrier but uh you know listen you've you you've you've made your name now you can get rid of the visor um, yeah yeah arkansas charlie strong what do you think i think it would be a, it wouldn't be a bad fit um i think the recruiting would go well um he has sec connections from his Long tenure at Florida. I think he's proven himself well at USF so far, rebuilding his reputation. Who are you, who, who are you going to get? Are you going to go to Mike Norvell? And... You could. Mike Norvell's a good coach. No, that, no, absolutely. That, no that doubt about a, it. That was a very, very good game. I thought it was well coached. I mean, defensively, both teams were atrocious. But Oh, yeah, atrocious. You know, I think Mike Norvell should wait for a Big 12 job to come open and just hop in there because his offense it was just spectacular. That Anthony Miller kid. I'm telling you, he's going to Phenomenal. be an absolute superstar in the NFL, and he yeah. will not be drafted until like the third round because he'll probably run like a four-five-eight, and he's not that big. But that cat makes every catch you need him to make. He plays tough. He plays through pain. He is going to be an NFL star. I will take him on my fantasy team in a couple years, uh, and then he'll suck because he'll probably <laughs> blow out his knee because that's just the way it works. Actually. Dong Dong, which is my team name after the tremendous Chinese trampolinist, 
um, <laughs> is in first place. But I'm losing today. So I need a loss before the playoff, though, because you can't. I've won eight straight. You can't go into the playoff winning every game because then you know you're going to. So I, I'm kind of tanking this week to try to get a loss. And uh, I'm, I've already a lock for the playoffs. But I will take Anthony Miller. He reminds me of Anthony Miller. He doesn't really. You remember Anthony Miller for the Chargers? You're probably too young. No, I don't remember him. Yeah, he's not the same guy. That, that guy was a pure speedster, fly pattern every second. But he just he reminds me, honestly, of Antonio Brown in a way. Um, he's just that good, very special player. But Norvell would be a good hire, too. I, yeah. I think so. But his, his, his style isn't really a fit for the SEC. Um, Charlie Strong's is, but but Arkansas last I checked borders Texas, right? Borders Texas. So I don't think Charlie's going to want any part of that job because um, he's going to have to recruit Texas, and he still probably got PTSD from his days at Texas. But um, he would uh, he would jump at the job, obviously, and I think he would be as good as Bielema was, which is not very good. But what do you want? I mean, you're not going to get the next Urban Meyer at Arkansas. Yeah, um, you know, they wanted Gus Malzahn, and he can go 6-6 six and six there. Um, it's just such a, it's such a tough division, and you can't recruit there. It's, it's just very difficult to recruit there. So I actually think a guy like Charlie Strong wouldn't be a horrible hire in name, but I think at a place like Arkansas, you have to mix it up a little bit. You know, you have to spread it out. Or you have to go super fast. I know Nick Saban doesn't like super fast, or he used to not like super fast offenses until he implemented one himself, and then everything was okay. But um, you know, you have to do something there to change it up and try to out scheme. You know, you have to be kind of a a Baylor in the SEC where you can spread people out. You're not going to out muscle uh, Alabama and Auburn and LSU and Texas A&M up front. You, you know, to win your own division, you're going to have to do something else to try to trick them. You know, Ole Miss did that. They spread out Alabama. That's why they beat them a few years. Um, so I, I don't know what the winning recipe is there. I don't know who the right coach is, but I do think a guy like Norvell would make a whole lot of sense uh, because he could do something like that and try to, you know, trick them. You know, Baylor, Baylor never recruited really talented football players. They recruited track guys who could hopefully catch a football, and they won for, for years. Obviously, they were doing... Um, some suspicious things <laughs> as well, but uh, but but this is the SEC. I mean, you could get away with that. So what does Gary uh, Patterson make? Do we know? I don't know. I, oh, I, there I, it is. I can't points. imagine it's a lot. No, it is. It's five point one. But here's the thing: you were ready to hand over seven million dollars a year to Gus. Yeah. Just throw seven point five a year at Gary Patterson and see what happens, because that would be an amazing hire. And that is a guy that I think is talented enough and a good enough coach. I know they got croaked by Oklahoma twice, but you got to understand that they're recruiting the leftovers and he's developing players rather than just rolling them out there like <clears throat> Oklahoma. Right. That would be a hire that Arkansas uh, could be proud of. But, you know, I, I just I think of guys that current jobs that make less than $7 million, they're willing to pay the Gus bus $7 million why not go after Gary Patterson um, and just see if he says no? And maybe they already did. Um, we'll see. And, and you know, and Tennessee needs to start ponying up. I'm going to start a rumor because it's you know Jason Witten was rumored to be the next head coach of Tennessee. <laughs> How about Jamal Lewis? Didn't Jamal Lewis get arrested for dealing drugs and have like ten kids with eleven different women or something like that? I don't know if that I don't know if that's the truth, but I don't I, know either. Well, let's it just say could be. 
if it's not, let's, let's just say allegedly or whatever, let's try to find some Tennessee pl- former players that we can just plug in there. And, you know, how about uh, Hainsworth? He played there, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Tennessee does. I honestly don't know because uh, any coach that has any respect for himself is going to get rolled out as the 12th best option. And then, you know, you, are you going to go and hire a coordinator like T. Martin to be? I know uh, who you're going to hire. You're going to hire Peyton Manning. No, Peyton Manning could, could do that. That's who you're going to hire. That's the, na- that's the next name they're targeting. I'm going to put that rumor out there now because it really doesn't matter what rumor you put out there. Apparently, you lose no credibility in that market. Because... Right. The rumor is uh, John Gruden is taking the job and was seen in Knoxville and is going to sign tomorrow. But And that, that Jason Witten was going to retire from the NFL immediately <laughs> and take over the job. I mean, you could just make up any stupid thing you want, and that's what makes this fun and the search for the Tennessee job fun. I think it'll be done soon. I'm waiting for the carousel to stop at least. You know, UCF, I don't care if they hire Kevin Sumlin. That's fine. That's a good hire for them, actually, I think. But I'm waiting for, you know, Arkansas and Tennessee. I'm waiting for these Power 5 jobs to be done. Now Florida State, Mike. This carousel is going faster, not slower. I know. I know. And I think that'll go fairly fast, too. I'm waiting for them to be done so then I can come up with an amazing article grading the hires. And so then I can you know, come up with something for Tennessee because Greg Schiano was going to get an F. If they hired Greg Schiano, he was going to get an F. Um, that would have been a horrible hire, and they averted disaster by, you know, the mock outrage of what happened at Penn State. It had nothing to do with that. They didn't want Greg Schiano because he's not a good head football coach. And I just can't believe Greg Schiano was John Curry's first pick. I mean, now hiring Greg Schiano looks like, okay, maybe a decent pick, 10, 10 names down, but... He was number one on the list? I mean, wow. I don't think he was number one. I think they played with Gruden for a while. And then I'm trying to think. We did a graphic on it, and there were so many different names and coaches. Was He He was before Gundy, right? Oh, yeah, way before, yeah. Yeah, but he was after somebody else, too. I'm trying to remember who that somebody else was. Somebody pie in this guy maybe? ridiculous. Mm, maybe not Cutcliffe. I mean, Dan Mullen he was after, I believe. Um, but that apparently wasn't going to happen. So I don't know. But again, he eventually became first choice, which is laughable um, <laughs> to me anyways. I mean, now, can Greg Schiano ever get hired again by any Power 5 program? I don't think he can, right? Well, unless their message board community and people on Twitter don't go absolutely berserk about it, I think he could. Well, let's say, okay, let's say next year Kansas comes open and they hire Greg Schiano. And they don't really have a great football following. But can they get away with hiring them after all that happened at Tennessee from a PR perspective? I know. I don't know if they can. I think the uh, guy is now done. I don't think he could ever have another head coaching job ever again. And the NFL is never going to hire him again. That was an absolute disaster. So he's done. Last subject before we get out of here is Shea Patterson to Michigan as a potential transfer um, would appeal to the NCAA. Nothing confirmed. I almost chased this information. I decided against chasing the information because I'm like, you know what? I'm chasing enough stuff right now. And Good for um, you, Mike. Well, listen, I did reach out <laughs> to his dad, and his dad was nice enough to get back to me, and I haven't we played phone tag, and his dad's always been very upfront with me. And, and to, But then I'm like, you know what? I, I'm trying to figure out where 17-year-old kids are going. 
Right. I, I tried to figure out where Shea Patterson was going throughout his high school career, probably from his sophomore year on. Remember, he's an early Arizona commitment, then went to Ole Miss, and then he was going to decommit from Ole Miss, but his brother had the you know the job there, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm just I'm not chasing this. If he ends up in Michigan, great. I think he's a very talented quarterback. I think he showed that this year. I think he showed a little bit of that at the end of last year uh, when they ruined his, his career by burning that red shirt at the end so now he's two years in uh and essentially with two years left of eligibility but he could really help solve a lot of michigan's woes because i think he's that talented uh not all of them they still have some offensive line issues i believe but he can move and he brings athleticism to the position that they don't have here so i think it would be very exciting to see him go to michigan i would just hope that harbaugh would be open enough to maximizing his abilities because if it's pro style and handing to the fullback and you know third and two and you're handing to higdon and you're just running the ball and punting and trying to win 10-7 that does nothing for shea patterson and his ability but if you're willing to open it up a little bit and have him run and get out of the pocket and prolong plays and find donovan people's jones down the field and dylan crawford and whoever else is going to be there and they have playmakers down the field they just need somebody to get them the ball. So I think Harbaugh needs to be open to it. I think the offensive staff needs to be open to maximizing his abilities. You know, and obviously Jim Harbaugh knows this, but the best coaches, you know, design their offense around the players, not the other way around. So, um, you know, I think Shea Patterson's very skilled. Um, he really didn't have a tremendous amount of talent around him. And when he did, he was playing, uh, you know, players better than him. Uh, on every defense, basically. So, but he did have two amazing wide receivers. He did. He did. Um, so, I mean, there was offensive talent there. I just, you know, and and again, he was able to put up some big numbers because of it. I think Michigan would reel him in a little bit compared to what he did at Ole Miss. Um, but again, you know, Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones, there is tremendous young talent there at wide receiver. I think it'd just be fun. I yeah, it would be fun. Mean, you know, he's a kid I root for. I mean, uh, he was always nice to us, and, and you know, uh, his dad was always accommodating. He came to some of our camps when he didn't have to. and Yeah. Um, you know, nice kid. I hope he does well, and if it's at Michigan, hey, I'll, I'll root for him. I don't really root against anybody. Um, I can't root for everybody. I just want good football played at the big programs because that's fun you know yeah it's, it's fun to watch ucf and memphis and all that stuff but you know michigan football competing with ohio state would be fun nebraska football being back would be fun tennessee football being good again that would be fun so if he ends up at michigan godspeed to him we'll talk a little bit more about it if it does happen let's wrap this up let's get dave and his uh there you go. Now that's I'm back. On the <laughs> here we are. There he is. This now is top-notch stuff right here. Driving down the highway, 80 miles an hour, with his head out the window, and he's talking on his microphone. Dave hey, I'm, I'm sorry. It's the first time that I'm the one having technical difficulties here. Yeah, okay. Well, All right. Let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here, and we will return next week with another episode of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. Yeah.